You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Yes, it's the OTI guys back, particularly myself, Colin. I'm joined on the show by DJ, and I'm really looking forward to going through some of this weekend's games and uh, previewing them for you. Later on the show, DJ, or very shortly in the show, rather, we'll be joined by Chris Trapasso, and he's working with NFL.com now and covers the Buffalo Bills quite a bit. So we're going to talk to him about the Buffalo Bills, and in particular as well, the AFC East. So looking forward to getting him on to talk about some of that. DJ, um, you're back now from college for the, the, the festive period. I'm sure you have plenty of uh, studying that to get stuck right into, but I'm sure you're looking forward uh, to having some more uh, relaxation times on Sundays to watch the game and uh, not be worrying about getting straight back into college work on Mondays. Yeah, come off on holidays now for the <laughs> holiday season. Very limited snaps for me this week, Colm, so thanks to Chris for being available to cover some of the games. Yeah, for for anyone who missed the, the Monday show recap, and uh, DJ, you're very under the weather there. Your voice has cleared up quite considerably, so I guess whatever you were getting from the doctor, that has really uh, helped heal you up. So uh, hopefully uh, your voice is in fine fettle and you'll be ready to run through a number of these games and give us your, your viewpoints on them. DJ, as always, to start the show, we do like to give a little plug to our partners at lastwordonsport.com. They're doing a fantastic job, as always, spreading the word off Overtime Ireland. We're up on their Last Word on Sport radio network. Their Twitter handle is at Last Word on Sport. The website is lastwordonsports.com. You can find all the information about the other shows on the Last Word on Sport radio network up there, too. But do give them a, a follow on Twitter and do check out their website. It's well worth uh, looking through some of the great articles they have up there. They have a number of great writers on the site. Other sites in particular, DJ, our site is OvertimeIreland.com. Quieting down a little bit now with uh, not as much, you know, people are starting to get into the, some of their teams are out of the, out of the kind of running for the playoffs and that maybe they're not taking as much interest in the rest of the season. But, you know, uh, still going up there, Eli Books, everyone with his power rankings, doing his bookies playbook, breaking down the plays each and every weekend uh, and uh, a lot of other stuff going on, including James McGuire and his fantasy preview. So lots of stuff going up on the Overtime Ireland website. Do check that out. And, of course, follow us on Twitter if you want. Give us a... Give us a comment or a written on itunes or stitcher and uh, all, all those kind of things help spread the word so as always i say dj i've rambled on there i've got all the plugs out of the way and i guess we'll get our our pal chris to pass on the show to, to break down some of the games now so let's get straight into that week 15 preview and let's get chris on the show right away want to know who's going to win every nfl game this weekend it's time for the oti weekend preview Back on the podcast now, delighted to have back on Chris Trapasso. The last time we had him on, he'd done a, a draft preview with us for the, the NFL draft, and it was a lot of fun and really kept us up to date with things going on. He's he's moving around now with his, his jobs and so on. He's now with NFL.com, so you know he's he's really in there with, with the main guys, and uh, it's great to be back on, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Chris, obviously, uh, to start off, you do a lot of covering off the, the Buffalo Bills, so we're going to start off with the Buffalo Bills. A lot of people having some questions coming in on Twitter about uh, EJ Manuel. Is is, uh, his, is is there a future, I suppose we'll say, in Buffalo, or is uh, his time done there after such a short a short spell? Um, no, I think um, the most likely scenario is that EJ Manuel is on the roster next season. I don't think, because of his play this past year, uh, I mean, although he only did play four games. I don't think he'll be handed the starting job next year. I think with Kyle Orton um, under contract as well, although he has a player option so we can kind of pick what he does. Um, I think Kyle Orton will be the guy uh, going into the 2015 maybe training camp. Maybe there'll be a little bit of a, of a quarterback competition, but um, as long as the Bills don't really tank in these last three games at home against the Packers this week um, and then away um, against the Raiders and then away against the Patriots. As long as they're pretty competitive and maybe win one or two of those games, the coaching staff um, is probably going to be back, and they drafted E.J. Manuel, I think. This season they were a little bit under pressure with the new owner coming in, and, and they weren't really sure about their job. So they wanted they didn't really have time to, to deal with a young quarterback going through those growing pains, so they really made the, the very early switch to Kyle Orton um, after the fourth week of the season. So I think, you know, I think this, this coaching staff, although they kind of gave up on E.J. Manuel this season, I don't think they're ready to, to, to fully scrap him. He He's only played 14 games, we know, uh, and his rookie season was a little bit up and down. He got injured three separate times, only played 10 games, and then the four games this year. So I think the fact that he hasn't technically played a, a quote-unquote full season and he has shown some flashes of, 
you know, maybe not elite quarterback play, but that he can grow into a um, competent quarterback that I think he will be back on the team uh, next season. Yeah, you mentioned obviously he hasn't really, he ha- there's not a full sample size apart from what he done last season, so it'll be interesting. Maybe the time sitting down for him, you know, might have helped him uh, in the long run. We'll see what happens there, you know, with the situation in New York, maybe with Geno Smith, it might help him in the long run too. But a few questions, obviously, on, on future to players. C.J. Spiller was the next one, and a question in from Phil Phillips, and his question was, C.J. Spiller, what's the future hold for him in the Buffalo Bills? Obviously, a big uh, injury for him this year, ending the season, and, you know, now will, will he be back with the team next year? Um, I don't see this the same way as I see E.J. Manuel, I think. The Bills will probably put an offer on the table because C.J. Spiller is a free agent after this year. Um, but I just think that there's probably going to be another team in the NFL, maybe a, a team that thinks that they're that big play running back away from making the playoffs or probably a contender that, that thinks that they have someone of, of Spiller's explosiveness and athleticism. If they sign in, then they can kind of make that push deep into the playoffs or win a Super Bowl. I just think that the Bills realize that, you know, with how running backs, you know, are just have been really devalued just because you can get a lot of similar production out of a running back yeah. that you draft anywhere from the third round to even toward the end, the sixth and seventh round. That I, I think most teams are, are kind of smartening up um, and not signing running backs to these huge second contracts. And I mean, for Spiller, I, I have no, I wouldn't blame him one bit if he tries to get as much money as possible, especially with how. Often running backs are injured. You know, he's um, coming off a broken clavicle uh, and just how short the shelf life um, at his position is. Um, but I just don't think that the Bills, you know, they have Bryce Brown. They they traded a fourth-round pick for him uh, this past spring. He hasn't really been used that much. He's kind of been incorporated a little bit more over the past two months with uh, Spiller injured. But I think he's kind of the guy that they're planning for in the 2015 season. Um but I do think that the Bills, why they put C.J. Spiller on injured reserve, um, but not the list that ended his season, was because, you know, they want to use Spiller, uh, you know, for as long as they have him. And, and he's set to return next week against the Oakland Raiders and then to play in the season finale against the Patriots. And those games could be very critical to the Bills, to their playoff hopes. And I think the Bills kind of did Spiller a favor by that and saying, hey, you know, we'll give you two more games to kind of showcase your abilities to other teams. I don't think the Bills are just going to let him walk without an offer, but I think it'll be kind of a low-ball offer. And I would imagine, I mean, I'm sure other teams in the NFL have kind of smartened up here and, and have kind of realized it doesn't make a lot of financial sense to throw seven, eight, nine, ten million million at a running, uh, running back who's getting close to 30, who's, you know, carried the ball a lot, who's had some injuries. But I just think that there will be one team out there that will offer him more than the Bills will and he'll end up leaving Buffalo. Yeah, he is a player that has that big playability, and you see it from time to time, the flashes of brilliance that he has. It's just consistency and obviously injuries as well. But uh, I do think that he'll end up, I think there'll be some team, as you mentioned, that'll offer him a, a bigger contract than Buffalo. And I think, you know, as you're rightly saying, you know, the running back position, money's not always there for you, so I think he'll go wherever the, wherever the money is. Last question, or, or sorry, two more questions on Buffalo. Sammy Watkins, what have you made of his uh, rookie season? He's been very impressive. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of weird how this rookie class has, has kind of changed the expectation yeah. for uh, rookie wide receivers. That you know, going into this season, it was almost a rule or just an expectation that you know it takes even the first round top ten of um, rookie wideouts. It usually takes them at least two years, if not three years, mm-hmm. to really come into their own. But this rookie class is, 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 is very well documented of how good they've, they've collectively been. And this is guys from Watkins, who was the first wide receiver taken, to guys picking second, third, fourth, fifth round, some, some undrafted guys. Um, so, yeah, it's just weird how, this, how so much talent came into the NFL in one draft class. Um, with Watkins, he didn't have, you know, he didn't run a lot of different routes. At Clemson, there's a lot of just go routes down the field and, and, and a ton of screens. Um, so he really, that's probably been the biggest and, and, and toughest obstacle for him to overcome or, or just to kind of get acclimated to that uh, part of the game. And he got injured early in the season, in the preseason, actually. He hurt his ribs. There were some reports that they were broken ribs, but he's played through them. Um, but really, when when you watch him closely, 
what he does after the catch, which is probably his best attribute in college, you know, just instant acceleration, great speed. And he really, in college, did not show any fear when it came to, you know, lowering his head, whether it was a linebacker or a safety a corner. But uh, in his rookie year, that's the one area where he really has not been authoritative at all, that he's really looked for the sidelines. And uh, there was a few instances last week against, the Denver Broncos, where he went over 120 yards receiving, and he actually did uh, take a couple hits, and the cameras really showed him wincing in pain. Uh, you know, he's had a groin injury, a hip injury, a rib injury, and I think it's just really been a testament that out um, beyond his his natural talent, he's been a very tough competitor. He's gone through, you know, some rough passes in November. He really wasn't that effective. He, he faced some of the league's better cornerbacks, um, and he didn't really produce that much, and Again, some of that is on the uh, quarterback play as well. But I think, you know, he hasn't been an A-plus, you know, when you're comparing him to other rookies in this class. But any other year, you know, he's almost has uh, 60 catches. He's over 800 yards. He has five touchdowns. He's broken uh, pretty much all the Bills' rookie records. He'll probably end up breaking all of them by the end of the season. So um, although, you know, there's, there's a lot of critics and a lot of Bills fans in the Buffalo area that, I think that the Bills would have been better off just staying put, not trading next year's first-round pick, and taking Odell Beckham Jr., which at this point, that seems like the smarter route. Um, Watkins has been very good uh, in his first season with the Bills. Yeah, as you mentioned, if it wasn't for how good this rookie class is this year, you know, he, he would have been far and above usually in most years as the best wide receiver. But uh, you mentioned they're trading up as well. People said about... Odell Beckham, that's all well and good said it now, but after four weeks of the season he hadn't played and there was a lot of question marks there too. So uh, as we mentioned, second, third year, he can, he can push it on again. They did trade up though, they're seven and six for the season. They have, impre- or they have surprised me. I didn't think they would have a, a record like this come this stage in the season, but this week now they, they face the Green Bay Packers. The real key for the Bills, and again against Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos last week, has been the defence. Uh, obviously one of the most fearsome defences in the, the National Football League. What can they do this week to, to slow down Aaron Rodgers? Well, I think it's going to be a lot of the same game plan uh, as to what they did to Peyton Manning, which was really weird in that game and and pretty unusual that they didn't really pressure Manning. They didn't sack him. He wasn't really under pressure that often. Um, They rushed three and four most of the time so they could drop as many guys into coverage um, as possible. They have some pretty good coverage linebackers. They have um, some safeties in Aaron Williams and Denora Searcy that don't really have, you know, the, the the free safety or the strong safety label. They can all they can kind of play some outside linebacker too. They're just very fluid in coverage, play the run well. Um, but just drop into coverage, hope your front three or front four can get some pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Um, and what I realized the Bills did when I um rewatched the game, they they just they did not just run man all game. They did not run zone all game. They didn't just run cover two or cover three. They were really mixing the coverages, trying to disguise things pre-snap as much as they uh, could. So they kind of almost last week had a little trial run against a Hall of Fame quarterback, and now they get uh, another future Hall of Fame quarterback. So I think it's really going to start um, with the front four, and that's with also you know stopping the run, although C.J. Anderson had three touchdowns last week. He was held under 70 yards rushing on, I think, 22 uh, carries. So if the Bills can, you know, exert themselves on defense and shut down Eddie Lacy and then get some pressure on Aaron Rodgers, who can obviously move around pretty well, uh, and drop six and seven guys into coverage, maybe even eight guys into coverage, and I think uh, they'll be in this football game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's a, I'm, a, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, and this is a game that I had on the schedule that I was quite worried about. Buffalo as some people, I think if you're not a Buffalo fan or you're not watching everything around the league, people underestimate Buffalo, especially this season, and they have a good home field advantage. So this is going to be a tough game for the Packers, although they are in a, an absolutely great run of form at the moment. And it's one that, as a Packers fan, I'm not overly confident going into. I think they might have enough just to edge it, but it's the first game in quite some time that I'm going to pick for the upset, and I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to win this. Do you think the Buffalo Bills will pull it out? Uh, you know, I haven't really thought that much about a prediction. I'm 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 going to be on a few um, local radio shows over the next few days where I'm going to have to make a prediction. So, <laughs> so this is probably the the first time that I've thought about it. I think you know, in any of these tight games, you you tend to be smarter going with the team with the better quarterback. Um, but I was looking up some uh, 
stats on how the Green Bay Packers have fared on the road this season. And obviously at home they've just been yeah. tremendous, you know, even though Monday night on defense they were not great against the uh, Falcons, but their offense has just been unstoppable at home. But on the road against teams like the Miami Dolphins, um, Detroit Lions, who are kind of built similarly to the Bills that are really strong up front, um, don't have to blitz five and six and seven guys to get pressure uh, on on the quarterback, Rodgers and Eddie Lacy have kind of struggled. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think for now, uh, I'll say that I think the Packers, like, like you were kind of hinting at, will probably sneak this one out. But like I said, I, I don't think, um, or I will not be surprised if in the fourth quarter this is a one-score game either way. And with how football goes, you know, a penalty here, a bounce mm. there, and I could really see the Bills winning this game. It's, uh, it was tough for me to, to go against the Packers in this this uh, picking, but uh, I'll go with the Buffalo Bills and it's first time I've done that this season going against them. But the next game up we're going to go, and I'm sure this will be a quick re- a quick preview, and it's the New York Jets and the Tennessee Titans, 2-11, and 11, both teams. I'm sure a lot of neutrals will be very excited for this one. Yeah, I mean, for a game that, 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 that features, um, you know, only four wins between each, uh, club, it's there's probably not a ton of fanfare going into this one, but I think if you're a Jets fan, you just have to cling to any hope that Geno Smith can can do something to show confidence uh, in his play. And and sure, you know the season's obviously over with. There's you know Rex Ryan is probably going to get fired. The GM John Idzik could get fired as well. But I think the only real uh, rate of hope that could come from the end of the Jets season is if. Geno Smith takes even the smallest step uh, heading into the offseason because, you know, at this point, after two seasons, it doesn't seem like he's a franchise guy. He has shown a few flashes, but, you know, a lot more uh, stretches of really disappointing play that, that, that really has not signified anything um, resembling any future as a franchise guy. And for the Titans, you know, it's, it's kind of a mess, too, with Jack Mettenberger, their Rookie quarterback, who was another one that had shown a lot of flashes. You know, he was that big, uh, strong-armed pocket quarterback. You know, he goes on on IR this week. So you're back to Jake Locker. There's not really a future with him. That kind of seems like uh, that time has passed. Um, but I think, you know, I'm sure for Ken Wisenhunt, who's in his first year as the head coach there, he wants to win this game, you know, just as if uh, Tennessee had a 11 and 2 record that that every game is important in the NFL and he would much rather go into the offseason at 5 and 11 than at 2 and 14 so um I think you know for as much as there will be many eyes on other games this week on um this is a game that for those fans they can take some positive things and uh, move on to week 16. Yeah, and, you know, 2-11, and 11, both teams <laughs> closing in on the number one overall pick next year, and with the New York Jets in particular, a quarterback could be taken mm-hmm. high, at, high at the top of that there. So Geno Smith is playing for, for both this season and next season, I suppose, if he wants to be the starter next season. He needs to get them further away from that number one overall pick, I'm sure. But I, I think uh, the Jets last week, I thought Geno started, obviously, horrendously with that pick six against Minnesota, and then he, he got them back into the game, and although... He didn't do anything fantastic. Then he led them to get the field goal, and you know, it didn't get they didn't get the chance in overtime. But overall, I thought uh, they were nearly I would nearly say unlucky against Minnesota. I think I think they'll get this one on the road because the Titans last week against the other New York team, the Giants, were absolutely abysmal. The only points they got was that pick six from Eli Manning. So I think I'm going to take the Jets in this. Uh, do you think the Titans will get a home win, or do you think uh, the Jets are staying closer to that? No, you know what? I think with Jake Locker, who's just been very inaccurate. Um not the greatest decision maker either. Uh, and for as, as much as the, as the Jets secondary is banged up and has not played very well this season, they still have Sheldon Richardson. I know um, Muhammad Wilkerson is hurt. I, I believe he's not playing this week, but they still have some good uh, front seven players on defense. And kind of like you said, Geno Smith did not start well last week, but he did finish the game um, pretty respectably. So I think this is actually a game that the Jets will uh, win on the road. In that game last week, final thing on the New York Jets, uh, there was a big connection with him and Percy Harvin for a long touchdown. Percy, you know, he's there kind of on almost like a, a half-a-season trial basis. Do you think they will keep him next season, or do you think they'll move on, or is it just still up in the air with the, the last few games to go? Well, I, I'm pretty sure that, that they, they um, when they traded for Harvin, they took his entire contract yeah. from the Seahawks. I'm, I'm not really sure how that works out next year with who pays, how much, um, but 
when the trade went down, GM John, John Idzik said that, you know, this was a, a, a long-term investment. This was not a rental because I think, you know, at the time, like, the Jets only had one win. Yeah. Um, I think that he is a guy that he's not a guy who's going to be the focal point of an offense. I think, you know, he's super talented, um, but he's five foot eight, five foot nine, 190 pounds. He does play a little bit bigger than that in that he's not afraid of contact. But I think when your offense is tailored around a smaller uh, gadget, wide receiver, running back, I just think that, that that's really not sustainable to, for him to be your central figure. So I think the Jets will look at him, look at Eric Decker, um, and say, all right, these are two pretty good complementary um, offensive pieces on the outside, whether it be for Geno Smith or Marcus Mariota, whoever it is at the quarterback spot next year, um, and look to add either another tight end. I know they have uh, Jason Morrow, who, who showed a few signs of, of being that um, seam-stretching tight end this year, but I think they'll look to add another bigger receiver who really has more of a number one wideout um, body in terms of you know being six foot one or taller, two hundred and ten pounds or or heavier um, in the draft or free agency. So I think that Harvin is a guy you want on your team. Is you know obviously as long as as he's getting along with his teammates and there aren't any you know off off the field issues. Yeah. Um, so I think the Jets will keep him around, but I think they they realize that you know during this little trial period over the last two months that he's not a guy that you can really build your entire offense around. Last game up now to talk about in the division, and you know this is the one the two teams going against each other. I suppose the key game in this division, and had the Dolphins won last week, it might have been an even bigger game. But the Patriots look to have this division all sewn up, and uh, they're heading into the playoffs. Can the Miami Dolphins join them? Uh, is the kind of question we're going for here, and I think uh, they have to win this week really to have any chance. And I, I don't think they're going to get a win in Foxborough. What do you think? Yeah, I mean the Patriots are so tough in Foxborough. Yeah. Um, and these teams just look so different from where they were in week one when the Dolphins um, upset the Patriots in Miami. Um, at that point, the Patriots' offensive line was pretty much in shambles. They had just traded Logan Mankins to the Buccaneers, yeah. um, and in that game, Cameron Wake really had one of his best days as a professional. I think he had three sacks, two forced fumbles. He recovered one of them. Uh, Tom Brady really just because of that, because of the, the constant pressure and how quickly the pressure got to him, he had one of his worst games, uh, and the Patriots were really forced to throw the ball even more than they would probably like to with Tom Brady under center. Um, and I know in that game in week one, the Dolphins ran the ball very well. Sean Moreno was the feature back. He's obviously been injured for a while now. I think the Dolphins will be able to stay in it because Ryan Tannehill you know, has those stretches for two or three or four series where he looks the part and he looks like a top 10 quarterback. Uh, but he usually, you know, his, his consistency has just been so, I mean, obviously quarterbacks go through the up and down, but Tannehill's just go really high and, and really low. And I think in Foxborough, there's going to be some turnovers. Bill Belichick's defense uh, is playing great football at, at all levels. They always get those turnovers. It seems like, you know, in those December games at home, um, this is a game that I think could be close going into the half, but I think the Patriots um, will be able to pound the football with, with Garrett Blunt, you know, use Shane Vereen in the screen game, and just with the offensive line playing so much better, I think if they really focus on stopping Cameron Wake, you know, using some running backs on chips, uh, tight ends to kind of help out either um, offensive tackle, then I think Tom Brady will have plenty of time to survey the field by his receivers that he's really gotten to gel with over the past uh, three months, really, since, you know, that catastrophe on uh, Monday Night Football against the Chiefs in about week five. So this is a game that I see the Patriots winning by seven to maybe ten points. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I was thinking about, too, in this game. And obviously the key matchup, I think, is going to be the, the Miami off- offense against the uh, Patriots defense. And, you know, in the last few weeks, yeah, partic- totally. particularly at the... Sunday night football that was the key matchup and I thought that the Patriots were absolutely superb on defense my question just uh, to finish up Ryan Tannehill I, I've said for a few shows here with us that uh, I think that his biggest issue is obviously putting the ball downfield and in the last two games he faced two of the worst secondaries in the league giving up huge amounts of yards and touchdowns you know on long conversions and obviously we didn't see anything from that against the Jets or against the 
Ravens from from Tannehill, but again against the secondary, he's not going to have that opportunity at all. So maybe this game might suit him a little bit going doing the short underneath stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's I think that's a really good point because I think uh, Tannehill's strengths really, although he's made strides uh, this season in his um, in his third year as a pro. You're right in that he hasn't really um, been a very accurate deep ball thrower, and that kind of goes back to not just Tannehill, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the Jets, um, that I just don't think that the Dolphins have that big physical outside receiver that although, you know, there's a lot of flash when it comes to Mike Wallace's game because of his speed and and all those long uh, passes he caught with the Steelers, you know, if a defense just rolls a safety over the top and he's playing against a, a cornerback like Jarrell Revis, or like Brandon Browner, who are bigger, very physical. Um, Mike Wallace's ball skills are not great. He's not going to out-jump um, a lot of cornerbacks. He's not going to make a lot of those tough catches like we see a lot of the bigger wide receivers make on a consistent basis. So I think Tannehill's inaccuracy downfield and the fact that they just don't have one of those uh, players on the outside or even at the tight end spot, um, that that's really been why the Dolphins have not been able to push the ball down the field. But... Um, I mean, I saw this three weeks ago against the Bills where um, the Bills' defensive line really got after Tannehill a lot. They forced a fumble in the first quarter. Um, he was under pressure a lot. I think they sacked him three or four times. Um, or actually, I think they sacked him about six times. Mario Williams himself had three sacks. That's what I was thinking of. Um, but the Dolphins were able to move the ball pretty efficiently because they just really worked that quick passing game, whether it was you know, to running backs out of the backfield, to Jarvis Landry, to Mike Wallace, and flats across the middle. Brian Hartline's not a guy who's really going to threaten people down the field, so he's a lot better underneath. So, yeah, I mean, I think because of that and because the Dolphins can run the ball decently well with Lamar Miller, um, that they'll stay in this game. But I think, you know, in the end, like I said, I think this is a Patriots win by about 10 points because I think in that third and fourth quarter, we'll see um, Tom Brady play much better than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, and we've seen it so much uh, with the Patriots. You said going into halftime could be close. The Patriots taking the ball before the half and scoring, and then they like to defer on kickoffs, get mm-hmm. it to start the second half. So we could see that again. Just a, yep. uh, a quick similarity. I just thought of them when we were talking about it. And it, When you were describing Ryan Tannehill, it made me nearly just think identical of Alex Smith. So I think there could be a lot of similarities there as well, but uh, maybe that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, no, I think I think that is, uh, you know, I think if, if Dolphins fans heard you say that, they would probably be a little ticked at yeah. because they because kind of the, the general perception of Al Smith is that he is the epitome of a game manager. And although, you know, there, there, there are some good game managers, like that doesn't always have to have a negative connotation. I think with Alex Smith, it kind of has gotten to be that this season. But I think that is a really good comparison because they're both very athletic quarterbacks who probably don't get enough um, notoriety for how how well they can move and and that's just you know within the pocket or scrambling. Um, I think Ken Hill just as a passer is probably a little bit more talented and obviously because he's younger he has a little bit higher of an upside. Yeah. But you're right in that both of those quarterbacks work well underneath. They're 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 very accurate. You know at the line of scrimmage and then out to about ten maybe twelve yards. But beyond that. They're not very accurate, and they haven't been uh, very effective down the field. And again, a lot of that has to do with the receiving cores, the size of them, the talent. Um, but yeah, I, you know that's a comparison that I haven't really seen or heard very much this year. But I think that's a, a pretty good one. Um, you know, outside of Al Smith being, I think, 30 years old, and Tannehill being a lot younger, mm-hmm. I think their skill sets in terms of their athleticism and what we've seen them do on the field this season is pretty similar. Yeah, and it was just something that came into my head when we were talking there, but uh, sorry to any Dolphins fans there that we may offend. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always, Chris, uh, like the last time with you on, and uh, hopefully we'll be on again in the future. It was a lot of fun talking with you. It was good to, to discuss some of the upcoming matchups. Any of the listeners that want to follow Chris, you can follow him on Twitter. It's at Chris Terpasso, and we'll be tweeting out his uh, his handle on the on an Overtime Ireland handle. So thanks, Chris, for coming on again. Hopefully do it again in the future, and hopefully you'll uh, enjoy all these games at the weekend. Yes, will do. You too. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Harry Carson, former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland.
So, DJ, that was Chris. Uh, thanks, as always, for Chris to join us on the show. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking through those games with him. As I mentioned, give him a follow on Twitter. It's at Chris Trapasso, and he'll be only too happy to give you some more of his NFL insights uh, into what's going on in the National Football League. If you have any questions for him. DJ, the games there I went through, I know uh, you would have rather probably talk through more of the Patriots stuff, and uh, obviously I went through the Packers game with him. You'll be surprised to find out, DJ, that I actually picked the Packers to, to get knocked off by the Bills this weekend. So, you know, uh, maybe it's some some backward thinking or I'm um, trying to think of the word that you use reverse psychology that's the one maybe it's a bit of that there hoping that <laughs> I'm, I'm picking against them but first game in quite some time I picked against the uh, the Packers and I did uh, both of us went for your Patriots to win against the Miami Dolphins so so just interested to get your thoughts DJ on how you think uh, that Packers at Buffalo game goes who wins in Buffalo yeah Colin I know there's cold weather here in Arden hopefully you didn't slip and hit your head when you were predicting <laughs> a Bills win here uh it would actually be really disappointing for me to see the Bills beat the Packers and the Patriots didn't manage to do the job. So uh, <coughs> I'm hoping for a Packers win here, Colin. I'm sure you'll be delighted with that. and I'm sure you'll remind me on next week, the recap show, that the Packers did win and I was right yet again. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping you are right in that one, DJ. It was just one of those games I think could be a potential banana skin for them with the the way the season is going and they're going on such a strong run and you know, away from home the Bills are quite good at home so next game up DJ the Jets at the Titans who wins here? Come, it's not often I've had to say it this season actually it's very rare I've had to say it this season but I'm predicting predicting a Jets win J-E-T-S DJ predicting the Jets win so should be a thorough domination here by the Jets uh, DJ doesn't often take their side and then the last game DJ I'm sure we all know who you're going to pick here. We have the Miami Dolphins travelling to face the Patriots and a bit of revenge for that early season defeat maybe on, on the mind of Bill Belichick and co. Yeah, Colm, I can see the Dolphins heading back out to sea here and the Patriots <laughs> wrapping up the AFC East this week. All they need is the win and I'll be very surprised if they don't get the win. The Dolphins got the win against the Patriots early on in the season but that was a poor Patriots performance and Ryan Tannehill actually played well, so... That doesn't happen very often, so Patriots win here, I think Tom Brady connects with Gronk for at least one touchdown. Yeah, so uh, that's three of us on the show, DJ, have gone for the, the Patriots, you'll be delighted to hear, and uh, going through some other games, there's some very, very key matchups, DJ, coming up this week uh, for really, for, you know, hotting up in the playoff race, we are starting to get into must-win territory, some teams with better records than others, and uh, we're looking at a team here possibly able to win the division and another team possibly able to win the division but the records are very different and that sees the Pittsburgh Steelers face the Atlanta Falcons. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting one here, DJ. It's, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, I thought, against the, the Packers, I thought the game was over at halftime. I thought the Packers' defense kind of nearly took the second half off and although it cost them a lot of yards, it cost them a lot of points, I think the Packers had that game in control. No stage was I worried that the Packers weren't going to win the game and... Uh, It'll be interesting to see the Falcons do here when they're facing the Steelers team who are really in the in the playoff hunt. Obviously, the Falcons in the playoff hunt too. One team in that division has uh, unfortunately going to make the playoffs with the way they've been playing all season long. But the Falcons here DJ against the Steelers uh, looks like kind of a, a 50-50 chance that we're going to see Julio Jones line up who had two absolutely amazing games uh, in the last two weeks. Can the Steelers win on the road or will the Atlanta Falcons take care of business in the Dome? I'm going to go with the Steelers one here. It's projected to be very close by NFL's Elliot Harrison, but I'm going to go for a at least a field goal, if not slightly more, against the Falcons. So Steelers win. Yeah, well, DJ, the one thing I'm going to put this down to, and the key thing is, if Julio Jones plays, I think we're going to see an Atlanta Falcons win at home. Their their record at home, although they have been poor this season, over the last two or three years, has been very very good at home. Matt Ryan has a great record in the dome, and you know, things seem to be starting to go a little bit better for them in recent weeks. I think if he doesn't play, I think it's going to be a win here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I guess you'll say I'm sitting on the fence again. But I'm going with the, the theory that Julio Jones plays. And, uh, you know, the, the Steelers on the road this season haven't been as good as they have been at home. And, you know, we've seen them last week been very good in Cincinnati. Back-to-back road games could be an issue for them as well. And I'm going to give the win here to the Atlanta Falcons at home. So we're going two different ways in that. So I guess one of us has to be right, DJ, when it when it comes to the, the recap show. Next game up, DJ, neither of these teams are heading to the playoffs. New York Giants playing the Washington Redskins. Any thoughts or particular takeaways coming into this game? Yeah, Colin, there'll be plenty of takeaways because both quarterbacks <laughs> will have to throw the ball at some stage. 
Yeah, it's not there. That is, uh, I don't know if you had that previously planned, if you thought I was going to use the word takeaways, but very well uh, put in there. I'd say we will see a number of turnovers in this game. Both quarterbacks like to do that. And uh, But I think the Giants needed last week. They got the win. They were on a, a very bad losing streak, and they got the win last week against the Titans. Played quite well. Um, I know it'll be... We'll be looking at this more for Odell Beckham. Highlights than anything else, I suppose. But they're playing four and nine Giants, three and ten Washington Redskins. Haven't been impressed with the Washington Redskins in the last few weeks. And Colt McCoy hasn't been doing anything to, you know, have any confidence in him. I'm going to give an easy one here for the the New York Giants at home. I think they'll win probably by more than ten points. And I'm not really looking forward to watching much of this game but I'm sure there's a lot of Giants fans as we know DJ that listen to the show and we have a, a number of Washington Redskins fans I mentioned Eli Booksaber earlier who writes uh, a lot of articles for the site he's a big Redskins fan so you know I'm sure he'll be he'll be very interested in it but you know I'd say, I'd say to that uh, fantasy fans and actual fans of the game uh, I don't think there'll be too many eyes on this one but I'm going for a, a convincing one here for the New York Giants Eli Manning and of course Odell Beckham Jr. Next game up Colin Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Oakland Raiders Who's going to win this one? Will it be Kansas or will the Raiders get their first back-to-back wins against teams with winning records since 2010? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the Raiders last week, you know, they put on a good show against the, the 49ers. We know the 49ers having their struggles in offense at the moment, and they definitely weren't impressive last week. But the Raiders got the job done, got another win. They've had two wins in their last three now, so, you know, they're going quite well in the last three weeks, if you want to look at it that way, outside of the absolutely uh, appalling display against the St. Louis Rams, but well, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs at home here, DJ, and they're in the, in the playoff hunt still, 7-6, and six, and uh, I'm going to go here for a win for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not going to be a high-scoring game, and it's not going to be a pretty game. There's a few games like this this week that aren't going to be all that pretty. The Chiefs have to win this game to, to keep their playoff hopes alive, and I think they do that, and uh, I think it'll be a low-scoring game, and we'll see a lot of Jamal Charge in this one, DJ, so win here for the Chiefs uh, in our head stadium. And then after this cold column, will wrap up the AFC South with a win against the Houston Texans, but will they be able to get the ball past J.J. Watt? <laughs> DJ, here's one that uh, I think is going to be a lot more of a wider margin than people are anticipating. The Texans in the last few weeks have, have been better, put up a few wins. Obviously, we're talking about J.J. Watt on here a lot this season. The Colts last week on the road won very late on, and Andrew Luck had a number of bad uh, turnovers early in the game, both for touchdowns and I think this week he'll try to carry the ball a little bit more the big problem that Andrew Luck has although he is fantastic at these comebacks a lot of the time it is that he puts the team in such a poor position he turns the ball over a lot of times it leads to touchdowns that so we'll see uh, if he can stay out of that this week particularly with JJ Watt hunting him down DJ and it's going to be that's going to be the big test is uh, if he can stay away from JJ Watt I think though in the in the long-term game plan you look at the two quarterbacks you have Ryan Fitzpatrick on one side and you have Andrew Luck on the other side I think Luck's going to make more plays and I think Although Luck might turn the ball over, Fitzpatrick will likely do the same at some stage. Looking here at the running backs, obviously the best running back in the field is going to be playing for the Houston Texans, and Arian Foster has been terrific in recent weeks. I think that Trent Richardson uh, has been very poor all season, and um, I would say that will continue this week. We'll see what Boom Heron does and if he can you know, add anything to that run game, but uh, this team goes as far as Andrew Luck goes, and we'll see what him and T.Y. Hilton can do and connect. Reggie Wayne hasn't been good since his return from injury, I think, uh, we could see him hang, hang up his cleats at the end of the season. But uh, I'm definitely going here, DJ, for a, a win for the Indiana, Indianapolis Colts. And just when we're on the subject of the Houston Texans, DJ Jadavion Clowney, the number one pick in last year's draft out for the rest of the season. And out for anything really up to 12 months uh, with the, the microfracture surgery that he had after being placed on IR. And, you know, it's, it's a quite a, well, called a delicate procedure. It's a procedure that there's not a really clear definition as to how strong a player will come back from it and how quickly the explosiveness and that can come into it. Some players have had huge success coming back from it. Travis Kelsey playing for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs is actually a one kind of example of a player coming off it. But we'll see what happens with Clowney and hopefully he'll make a full recovery. But, you know, as they took him number one overall in this last uh, draft, uh, worrying times for the Texans uh, with that investment of the, the number one overall pick in Jadavion Clowney. And, you know, we'll not see him on the field anyway this season and likely, on, likely not until around this time next year. Andy Dalton's Cincinnati Bengals taking on Johnny Football's Browns. Didn't think I probably would have to say that Johnny Football would be starting a game this season after the start Brian Hoyer had, but then Brian Hoyer now hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in over a month. <laughs> and that's not what you want from your quarterback, DJ, is it? You know, generally quarterbacks tend to throw touchdowns. They might throw the odd pick six, but they'll throw at least one touchdown. Even Gino can do it. So, 
Brian Hoyer certainly should be able to do it, but Johnny Football coming in here, Colin. Will he throw the ball more, or will he rush? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game, DJ. Obviously, Johnny Football getting his, uh, is getting his chance here, starting his first game in the NFL. Cincinnati, DJ, 8-4-1, and and then the Browns are 7-6. and So both teams hoping to make the playoffs, and you know that loss last week for Cincinnati is a big, big blow for them, losing to the Steelers. Now they have another division game coming up here, and they have the Steelers, I think, possibly, is it next week or the following week? So they're really in the crunch time here. They were leading that division. Need to keep things going, and they really need a win here. Cleveland, DJ, last week almost beat the Colts, and I think that's going to be a really tough loss for them to take. Johnny Football's coming in here. I think it's going to provide a spark, but you know, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think it's going to be a late, late win here for the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. I think they have the, the better offensive pieces. If you had to go away, Josh Garden out of the Cleveland Browns, I think the, the offense off the Cincinnati Bengals is better on paper, and I think it'll come to play this week. We'll see what happens. The, the, the Cleveland Browns, DJ, have impressed me this season more than I thought. A bit like the Buffalo Bills. Didn't think they were going to have quite the season they had. And, you know, there's a, a lot of spirit in that team, a lot of fight in that team. So, you know, I, I've been happy to see how they've done this season. It's a bit of a feel-good story, you know. We'll say, um, you know, there's... A lot of good teams playing bad, but a team that I thought was going to be bad that's playing good is definitely the Cleveland Browns. But I think this is the week that the, the kind of straw breaks the camel's back. And, you know, I think with them turning to Manziel, it's almost like uh, nearly almost admitting that. I know they'll say it's that they want to get a spark in the team, but I think it could be the fact that they're starting to plan almost for next season now already and see what they've got in Johnny Manziel. I think the, the Bengals get the win on the road here and maintain their march uh, to try and win the AFC North. I have to agree with you, Colm. I'm hoping you're wrong, but I still have to agree with you that the Bengals probably will get the win here. Any reason but, in particular, DJ, why you're hoping I'm wrong? Yeah, well, it's kind of a complicated <laughs> reason because if the Buffaloes lose their tie, Cincinnati lose, Pittsburgh lose, Baltimore lose, Houston lose or tie, the Patriots clinch a playoff spot. Well... <laughs> Well, that's more of a complicated scenario than I thought. I thought you had some huge dislike for the Bengals or some great undenying love for the, the Cleveland Browns. I wasn't sure which one it was, but that explains it. And uh, I think, DJ, you might, even if you have to wait another week, I think you're, it's safe to say that the Patriots are getting into the playoffs this year. But a very interesting uh, scenario there that you just pointed out. I haven't even thought about that far ahead with the Packers. I'm just happy to see that they're, they're top off the division. Next game up, DJ, is a team in the same division there as the, the Bengals and the Browns, and they are a team that got a win on the road last week facing off against the Miami Dolphins, a very impressive win nonetheless, and uh, they're playing against, this week, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And could it be another impressive win here for the Baltimore Ravens, DJ? Colin going with a bit of comedy there, asking what the result of this game would be, as if there's going to be any <laughs> doubt. Sorry to all the Jacksonville fans out there, but yeah, another... Loss on the board here. Really see the run game of the Ravens running straight through the Jaguars, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, it's it's a tough uh, tough one here, DJ, for the the Jaguars heading on the road. I suppose they've nothing to lose in this game. We'll see what they do. Blake Bartles. I think it's a game that there'll be a few interceptions. But I talked to DJ before the Miami Dolphins game last week, and I talked about it with. Chris there when we were in the the preview early on, in particular with the Miami Dolphins, that the the Baltimore Ravens particularly against the New Orleans Saints, their secondary has been torched a number of times, and that was something that the Miami Dolphins didn't get any advantage of last week. And I think, you know, the Jaguars could have some success throwing, a, you know, the ball further downfield in this game and might pick up some scores. But, you know, outside of that, it's hard to see much of the positives. I think Flacco has been very consistent in the last few weeks, and although he didn't have to throw the ball as much as normal last week, they had a great run game with Justin Forsett. I think that'll continue this week. I think he's in for a big day. Bortles has been basically assaulted all season behind the uh, the line there, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is a very young team, a young line as well, but 38 sacks he has uh, got this season, DJ, and that is uh, the most in the AFC. So, you know, looking to see if the, the Ravens can bring some more pressure to him this week. And uh, I'm not going to call it a, that it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be closer than some expect, but I think that the Baltimore Ravens definitely pick up a W here at home and uh, progress uh, on their, you know, they've been on quite a nice run recently. I'd say, of course, that New Orleans Saints game that I just brought up. And just some information for you, Colin, and other Packers fans. The playoff situation for the Packers is much simpler. It's a Packers win, a Cowboys loss, and the Packers clinch based on the strength of victory tiebreaker over the Cowboys. Is that all that has to happen this week? Well, I was. Uh, we haven't got yet, DJ, to the, the Eagles game, but it'll be no surprise that I'm not picking the Cowboys to win this game. So maybe, maybe I... Uh, my reverse psychology on the Packers losing this week might might work out. 
Yeah, UK Cowboys fans, be sure to send all your messages to Colm. It's Colm, what's your Twitter again? Just so they can make sure they find you and not the wrong person. Yeah, at the Colm Kelly. Um, I welcome all abuse tweets uh, <laughs> coming my way. But no, uh, we'll get to that Cowboys game in a minute and uh, I'll have some positives to say about the Cowboys as well, I'm sure. Carolina Panthers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week, Colm. I don't know whether it's just a typo on the NFL website, but they're predicting a 24-23 victory for the Buccaneers, or for the Panthers. Really don't see the Buccaneers putting 23 points on the board in this game, Colin. <laughs> well, they're going straight to work on the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the reason that they're maybe predicting it to be closer than expected is Derek Carr was uh, starting for the Carolina Panthers. I'm sure everyone has heard at this stage that Cam Newton was involved in a, a traffic accident, a car crash in, in, Car- or in Carolina during the weekend. You know, he's uh, two uh, transverse fractures in his lower back, similar to the injury that Tony Romo received on the playing field uh, a few weeks ago, caused him to miss a game, and, you know, then he came back and played in London against the Jaguars. But Cam was very, very lucky, and I'm sure many of you have seen the pictures, and that, uh, you know, quite, quite lucky man that it's, uh, like, we're talking about him missing a few games rather than, you know, potentially having no career or potentially even worse. So we're, um, we're lucky that it's not more severe injury, but... Derek Anderson will be starting. He started the first game of the season leads this year and they played the Bucks in Tampa Bay and uh, that was a game that they won. So it's going to be an interesting game from that perspective. But I have not been impressed with the Bucks. Not the Bucks team DJ, the, the Bucks quarterback. I have not been impressed with Josh McCowan in the last, let's say, three to four weeks. And uh, I've said a good few times on the show that I think that Mike Lennon should be given the opportunity to lead this team at quarterback uh, just to see what they've got because he was a rookie last year to second year this year. I think he deserved more of an opportunity than he was given this season. And uh, I think that's going to be the main turning point. And I think we'll definitely see Josh McCowan turn the ball over a number of times. I think if he didn't have Mike Lennon this year, this would be a lot, lost, lot, lot worse of a season if that's possible for the Buccaneers. And you know, in recent in recent weeks, DJ uh, Pat Murray, who's been on the show a number of times, the kicker for the Buccaneers has been the the one consistent spot, and he's been you know been very accurate with his kick. So you know, you'll see them getting a number of field goals in this game. But uh, on the touchdown side of it, I think we'll get maybe one to Mike Evans. But outside of that, I think that we'll see a lot of running from both sides. Doug Martin looked a little bit better in recent weeks, and I think we'll see Jonathan Stewart continue his good performances in recent weeks. He had a big, big game last week in the Superdome. So I think they'll lean on the run game, give Derek Carr a couple of passes, try and do a bit of play action, open up the, the field for him, and I think they'll they'll get the win at home. And can't rule the Panthers out of the playoff spot just yet, DJ. And Colm, I didn't see Cam Newton's car or Jeep after his car accident. Just think of... The Bucks and Jets start to the season put together in an image, and that is what his car was like. It was an absolute wreck. <laughs> oh, DJ laying it on good and thick again, but <laughs> the next thing up, DJ, we're going to go, and we're going to go to San Diego. The Patriots went there last week. They stayed for the week, and they got the win, and can the Denver Broncos do the same this week as they face off against their old foes, the San Diego Superchargers. Yeah, Colm, it's going to be interesting to see if Denver can bring the same support to San Diego that the Patriots did. See who the real big team in the AFC is. But yeah, I think the Broncos get a win here. Peyton Manning has been up and down in recent weeks, but he is still one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And I think he may show yet again why people consider him one of the best quarterbacks of all time when he takes on the Chargers this week. Yeah, well, DJ, when you're you're talking about Peyton Manning, you know, people talk about the, the conditions, if it's cold, it can affect him, if it's windy, it can affect him. Down in San Diego, it doesn't be too cold, even at this time of the year. It doesn't uh, often be too windy down there either, so I think that it's going to suit Peyton down to the ground here. The rushing has been very, very good in recent weeks, and although they're only 17th in the league in rushing yards, they have been going very well with CJ Anderson over the, the course of the last few games. 10-3, and three, DJ, they are at the moment. And this year, one could, if they win this game, could really seal up the, the division for them. As things stand, the Chargers rate in five. Mentioned the Chiefs earlier. I was predicting the Chiefs win. So I think a loss here can put a lot, a lot of pressure on San Diego. And I think we're going to see the, the Broncos from this point forward, you know, start to wrestle the grip away from the rest of the teams and start to, to push on towards the playoffs. So I'm going here, DJ, for although the Chargers uh, have been pretty good at home this year, I'm going to go for back-to-back losses at home. But they're they're facing two of the, the superpowers of the AFC. And I think that the Broncos get the job done here. I think it'll be one of their, their better displays over the last few weeks. And... Pick up a W. Yeah, Colm, great that you've went with that result because it now means that I can say Denver will clinch the AFC West with a win or a tie. 
And also will clinch a first round bye if the Colts, Bengals and Pittsburgh lose. So yeah, Broncos, you start claiming your first round bye this week. That will have to wait for another week, but <laughs> I think they will do it eventually. Moving on to two of your favourite teams, Callum. The Detroit Lions taking on the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> yeah, DJ, this year's a game that's going to be very interesting, and it's particularly interesting for me as a Packers fan with the way the division is heating up at the moment. Detroit have a chance to put some pressure on the Packers 9-4 and four they stand. The Minnesota Vikings, DJ, although you wouldn't think it, you know, by how their season's been going. Their season's been very quiet. There hasn't been much about it. Teddy Bridgewater's playing there as their rookie quarterback. The Vikings, DJ, have a chance to hit 500 unless they can go to 7-7 seven and seven with a victory. They're 6-7 and seven as things stand. And, you know, they got a win late on in overtime last week against the Jets, but they have been doing uh, much better both on defense and offense, I think, in the last few weeks. And, you know, I think they'll they'll put a bit of pressure here. When they met earlier in the season, Calvin Johnson wasn't playing. I think that's going to be a bit of an issue for the Vikings. But, you know, if they can keep Calvin quiet, I think they have a chance here. I think, I don't know if I'm being optimistic, hoping that they can get a win on the road against the, the Lions, but I think it's something that is definitely distinctly possible. I'm going to go here, DJ, just for you have to pick some underdogs to win each and every week, and uh, I haven't really gone for too many yet, so more hope than judgment, maybe uh, I'm going to go here for a Minnesota upset on the road, getting them to 500, and Teddy Bridgewater, as I said on last week's show, DJ now has the uh, more wins than all the other rookie quarterbacks combined this season, and with him winning last week, even though Derek Carr won last week, it helps to keep him and keep that stat relevant, so I think he's going to get another one here and keep that going. I'm sure you're going to disagree. Detroit definitely getting the win here, Colin. <laughs> the Vikings will have the likes of Matt Asiata in that with the run game. But Exciting. I think the Lions, column will have enough to get a win here with a quite strong defence that they have. Yeah, well, the defence of the, the Lions is definitely a strong point, and I think they're really going to ruffle Teddy Bridgewater's feather. So if they can get a Bridgewater early in the game, I think it sets the, the Lions up for definite success in this game. But... I'll stick with that pick, and you know I nearly wanted to change my mind there, DJ, when you give uh, some you know hope to the Minnesota Vikings by using the words Matt Asiata. I don't think that's something that you know. Daniel mentioned Ben Tate in there too, who has been a non-factor since coming over from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, there's not much excitement there in the backfield at the moment for the Minnesota Vikings, I suppose. Well, swiftly move on to the next game, and that's the uh, Seattle Seahawks taking on. The 49ers. Colin, could this be one of Jim Harbaugh's last games in charge of the 49ers? I don't think it's could it be. I think it definitely is, DJ. And I think, you know, I think they'll, they'll be there to the end of the season. I don't think they'll turf them out any, any earlier than that. There's there's not much point to it. But it's definitely a win here, DJ, for the Seahawks. They dominated them in Levi Stadium. And as I mentioned, Levi Stadium hasn't been particularly good to the, the 49ers so far. Lost on the road last week, although it was a short road journey over to Oakland and uh, I think they're going to lose on the road this week again. I think it's going to be a dominating performance here by the Seahawks. The Seahawks' defense has really improved, as I mentioned on the or the recap podcast, DJ, last week with a number of key pieces coming back in there. And I think just I haven't seen enough, DJ, from the, the 49ers' offense. They haven't been running the ball enough in particular. Frank Gore has not had over 13 carries in the last three weeks. Well, that's per game, obviously. Thirteen uh, is highest in the last three games, and you know you have to get the game run game going to have any chance. Colin Kaepernick's on his decision making has been appalling, in particular that interception he threw off the first the first play last week, and uh, you know things went downhill from there. To one here, DJ for the Seattle Seahawks, and that's really all that I have to say about that one. Dallas taking on the Philadelphia Eagles this week, Colin. And unfortunately for you, I think it's going to be another week before the Packers can clinch a playoff spot. Well, DJ, obviously that's you hitting a nod there at uh, a win for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, can you remind me what happened on Thanksgiving night uh, when the Dallas had home field advantage in this game? They still put up too many points. They <laughs> lost, but still put up too many points against the Eagles D, who I had in my fantasy league. Yeah, well, so, uh, that, think, thanks for a subtle reminder there, Colin, that I didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I think, uh, DJ, that game, I thought the, the Cowboys, I know they had a shorter week to prepare. I thought they looked gassed after about one quarter of the game I thought they looked really under pressure Sanchez looked like a million bucks which is something that I think has happened once in his career which was on Thanksgiving this year but outside of that DJ they lost last week at home to the Seahawks I think they're going to have a big bounce back performance here I've seen Chip Kelly talking during the week bit of a chip on Chip Kelly's shoulder this week DJ if you excuse the pun but I think they're going to win here DJ at home I think the, the Eagles are going to win this division and winning this game can really start to seal it up for them I think it's going to be a close enough game but I think we'll see the Eagles pull away at the end win by in around a touchdown at, at the end of this one what do, what do you think uh, 
can help the Cowboys to to a victory in this one. Yeah, Colm, I'm going to go with scoring more points than the opposition. <laughs> that, that usually helps. If you score more points than the opposition, you usually do win games, don't you? But yeah, Colm, I'm going to go with Cowboys win here. I think they're going to bounce back against the Eagles and return the favour. That's interesting, DJ. Most weeks on the show so far this season, we've gone for a number of games to have the, the same result. We've done it a few times in this show, but in this show in particular, quite a few that we've gone the opposite way on, so somebody's definitely going to be... Uh, more right than less right this week uh, when we come to our recap show. Yeah, Carl Mano, when it comes to your MVP of the podcast, that the UK Cowboys fans will be backing me now that I've supported them to get the win over the Eagles. Yeah, obviously they won the uh, OTI fan free agency this offseason and you know they've been great to interact with this year and their team has been going a lot better than most people predicted in the offseason. I think they'll still make the playoffs, but I think this week... Uh, I won't be surprised DJ if they win but I think the the Eagles will bounce back at home we've gone through DJ all the games now happening on Sunday there's one game coming up that's going to be happening this Thursday night which is tonight tonight is Thursday today is Thursday rather and it sees the Cardinals heading to the Rams I I actually forgot to say at the start of the show we did mention they'll be talking to Lorenzo Alexander on this podcast player for the the Arizona Cardinals Due to scheduling with their Thursday night game, we have it pushed back. We'll be talking to him next Monday for the, the recap podcast. So we'll be getting his thoughts on this game on Monday's podcast and his thoughts for the rest of the season for the Cardinals. So some people may have tuned in expecting to hear him. We had Chris Trapasso, who did fill in very, very well for us. And uh, anyone, I meant to mention that at the start of the show, it uh, absolutely slipped my mind to this point. So, DJ, the, the Arizona Cardinals traveling here to the St. Louis Rams. How do you see this one going uh, the St. Louis Rams have been very good in recent weeks. Uh, back-to-back shutouts in the last two games. One against the Redskins, one against the Raiders. Uh, could they do it a third time? It's unlikely they do it a third time, but the defense has been really, really impressive in recent weeks. They're 6-7. and seven. The Carolina Panthers are top of the division at 10-3. and three. Obviously, uh, they want to stay and hold serve in the, in the race for the division title. I guess they have to win on the road here, but it's going to be a tough one. Call the stat. There's been many stats this season I didn't think I'd have to say, but... The St. Louis Rams column in the last two games have a combined score of 76-0. to zero. Mm, impre- That's impressive. <laughs> Definitely not happening this week, even though Drew Stanton is still the quarterback for the Cardinals. I think two former guests of the show, Calais Campbell and Lorenzo, will be quite busy on Thursday night football. I think it's going to be a narrow loss for the Cardinals, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one for them on the road, DJ. I'm just... You mentioned they're the seventy six and zero over the last two weeks. Sometimes we have a down game. I, you know, the NFL is a strange game when you you're up for certain games. I mentioned the Packers game. They were up for the Patriots DJ last week, and they had a really good game on defense. They had a really good first half this week on defense, and then the second half it looked like they laid off. Sometimes psychologically you might lay off a little bit. I don't think we'll get that from the Rams, but people are forgetting that this uh, Cardinals defense doesn't give up too many points either. DJ, and they played the the Chiefs last week. Who you know, I think if the Chiefs played the Rams, the Chiefs would probably beat the Rams, and I think. This week, even though it's on the road, it's a, a big, big game for the Cardinals. And I'm going to go with the road upset here, DJ. I'm going to go with a win for the Cardinals on the road to stay atop of that division and put the pressure on the Seahawks as they uh, play at home against the 49ers on Sunday night. I can't. I haven't seen too many people predicting the Cardinals win, so I guess I'll just go against the grain. And I'm going to go for a very, very narrow win and a very low-scoring game. I think we'll see it in around maybe 17-14, something in around that there scoreline maybe. Even less than that, I don't know. It's going to be a very, very low-scoring game, similar to what the Cardinals done last week to beat the Chiefs. So I'm going to go for a win here on the road for the Cardinals. So another game deeds were split on. So very, very interesting week here for the picks on Overtime Ireland. As always, we'll be doing our competition on Sunday night, another OTI t-shirt to give away. The t-shirts uh, over the last few weeks we were waiting on a shipment in of new t-shirts. Everyone seemed to want the one size, so we ran out quite quickly. We had we have loads of mediums and larges and so on. A lot of people want an extra large and that. So we have a lot of other sizes. Anyone there that's uh, a size medium or large that wants to win the competition this week, do get in touch. But only kidding, we got in plenty of uh, extra great, great well. Christmas presents. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, coming up to Christmas, they were all shipped in the post uh, today. I posted them, so hopefully they'll be arriving with all the winners uh, very, very shortly, and uh, they'll have them over the Christmas period. So. 
Obviously, DJ, that's happening this Sunday. I'm looking forward to all the games. Do give us a follow on Twitter if you're not already. It's at Overtime Ireland. Check out the website, OvertimeIreland.com. And, of course, please do give us a rating or uh, hopefully have subscribed. Give us a rating or a comment. I always get the words mixed up on this part. On Stitcher, iTunes, whatever you want to listen to this on. And, obviously, go to the Overtime Ireland site. You can find it. All the ways to listen. Downloading multiple devices. Uh, helps helps up the numbers each and every week here on the show. So, thanks to everyone who has listened in this week. Uh, whoops, whoops, whoops. Rewind. DJ, we haven't done our lock of the week yet, so I guess we'll do that right now. The OTI lock of the week. So, DJ, I guess uh, we probably should have done that there before we done the whole outro thing, but we'll throw it in anyway for the the fun of the the whole thing going forward. Uh, who do you think, DJ, is your lock of the week this week? Who is definitely going to win? That you have no doubt about doing so. Yeah, Colin, normally I go for teams that are like twenty point favourites. But this week I'm going to go with your Green Bay Packers column. It could be a curse, may may not be, but it's a definite loss for the Packers this week. I think. I think if people are going to be putting their money on the NFL this week, I would go with the Packers. You'll probably get very good value on them this week. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a tough one, DJ. Here, uh, the two games I'm looking at is the Seahawks and the Eagles. You said that you didn't think the Eagles were going to win this week, so that would be a very big shout. Although I did say I didn't. I wasn't too confident on the Packers pick. I'm going to go to each with a win here for the, the Seahawks against the 49ers. And the, the Seahawks this week are my lock of the week. And we still have the OTI survivor pool going. And we're going quite well. But I think we've used the Seahawks already. So it'll be interesting to see when we talk off air who will put down uh, this week. I think we're into the final three, DJ. So we didn't do too well in some of our fantasy leagues. We're going well in some of them. But hopefully we can uh, take home the OTI survivor pool championship. But uh, out of that, DJ, uh, I suppose now we're true in the lock of the week. We have everything covered on the show. Uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll move on. We'll be back on Monday with another show. So until then, all that's left to say is I'm Colin and I'm DJ. And until Monday, enjoy the games and have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production. 